0: The following message is brought to you by Champions Church. For more information, please visit champschurch.com. I'm ready to get into the Word this morning, and I'm excited to get into the Word. I mean, I say that every week as we should be excited to get into the Word. But it's not just the practice of getting into the Word, which in and of itself is exciting. It's having an awareness of where we're going today. And that's really a privilege that I have. You don't. You don't know what we're about to talk about unless, you know, you have had a little conversation with the Holy Spirit, which is fine. But I know where we're going today, and I think it's really, really necessary. In fact, I want to give you a few things. Now, you know I encourage note-taking and writing things down, and I want to encourage that again this morning Because there's things that God's going to speak to us here as a group that are really powerful and really important, but he's speaking to us individually as well. And if we can take the time to go and look up some of the scriptures that we hear today and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us personally, I think we can all grow as individuals. And you want to know how a church matures? A church matures when the individual people that make up the church mature. And as you and I grow in Jesus, the church grows in Jesus because we make up the church. We are the church. So I want to encourage that. If you want to write a few things down as we get started here, here's a few things. These are things that we can look for as we get into the Word this morning, just things to maybe anticipate. Some of them may sound like things that you're very much interested in, some of them not so much, but no matter what, these are things that we're going to touch on today in some fashion. One, what's needed for a healthy heart. And it's not whole grains. It's not eating your Cheerios in the morning. What's needed for a healthy heart? Something very important. What we need in order to have a healthy heart. Uh, The second one that we're going to find, and this is one I think most people would say, hey, I could use that, you know. How to live a life free from disappointment. I mean, the hands would fly up. No, no need to raise your hands, but how many of you have ever known disappointment? I mean, it's a real thing in this world. And if I had more than two arms, I would raise those too if we were raising hands. I mean, disappointment is something that exists in this world, but God's created a cure for disappointment, so to speak. And we're going to see what can prevent disappointment from existing in our lives. And then a third thing that we're going to find is how much of God's loving kindness you can have. How much of his loving kindness you can have? And maybe if you're like me, you know, you're you're running a little bit ahead and answering that in your mind right now, it might not be what you think. How much of God's loving kindness you can have? So we're going to get into the Word, and I want to jump right in there. I mentioned we're going to find out what we need to have a healthy heart. I want to start there. I think it's important to start there. So if you're taking notes, you can write this passage down. Proverbs chapter 13, we're going to look at verse 12. Proverbs 13, 12. Proverbs 13, 12. If you're turning there in your Bibles, get there. Proverbs 13, 12. Now here's how it reads. Proverbs 13, 12, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but desire fulfilled is a tree of life. Now we could sit on this passage of scripture and we could exchange thoughts in a dialogue if if we were having a conversation concerning these things. I know that your mind is probably filled with thoughts as you read this passage. But I would like to take a moment and break down some things that I think are important for us to notice. Uh, one, hope is really, really powerful. Hope is so powerful that when hope is deferred in your life, it causes heart sickness. Now, I'm not referring to heart disease in the medical community, but I'm talking about depression. Now, depression's a big deal in our culture today. Uh, many of us are planning on maybe turning on the TV and kicking up our feet and maybe eating some fried chicken. Now, you want fried chicken, don't you? And, and, you know, maybe watching a football game, right? And some of us here might even be, have a, a team that we root for, you know. We're in Texas, so maybe you want the Dallas Cowboys to win. Well, I've got news for you. You might have your hope deferred in that situation. I'm sorry. I watched them play last week, and it did not look good. But enough of the sports. I mean, listen to this passage. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. And we know that we have a culture that suffers tremendous depression. I mean, as you're watching television or you're you're seeing articles in magazines, it seems like every other ad is for some kind of a a promise to help alleviate the, the symptoms of depression. And you know the ads that I'm talking about. Maybe you've watched a sporting event, you know, and you see the ad come on. You know, if the keyboard was on here, it's probably not, is it? You know, the music is just so slow. Yeah, it's off. They know not to turn it on if I'm up here. I once stood, stood, stood behind, behind the, the keys and played for a man while he ministered, a minister, ministering and asked me to leave the platform. It's like bowling a a gutter ball, you know, then you have to turn around and walk back and everyone's looking at you like, dude, there's like six feet, man. But you'll you'll see these ads, and obviously depression is a terrible thing. I mean, it's got to be terrible, right? Because have you heard the side effects of these medications? And so if you hear those side effects and you think somebody put that on the scales and decided I'm still going to take this thing, That ought to tell you how bad the depression is, right? I've heard some of those side effects. You know what I'm talking about. You know, they talk about the ad, and they they talk really slow and somber. If you're suffering from depression, we can help. And after this somber and peaceful promise of help, this guy's voice comes on. He says, side effects may include diarrhea, vomiting, potential death. You might be tempted to gamble. What was one? Gambling. Gambling was one. That's so weird. But all of these things come on there, and they just roll through them. And they're awful things, right? But obviously, people are hearing these side effects, and they're putting them on the scales next to depression and saying, you know what, I still think I want to try this. Yeah, it could mean uncontrollable diarrhea. That could be embarrassing at work. It could kill me, but, you know, I still think that would be better than being depressed all the time. So, yeah, sign me up, doc. Now, I mean, it's, it's goofy to me. I'm not making fun of it. And I'm sure not making small of depression and the need that's in our culture to be set free from depression. But obviously, there's something important here that we need to see concerning hope. That hope is something that's so powerful that when hope is denied in our life, it leads to depression. It leads to a place that's so miserable, that's so dark, that these horrible side effects would be a relief than to continue to live in that dark place, that place of hopelessness. And then you see the rest of the verse, and the rest of the verse there gets me excited. I mean, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but, oh, I've never been more excited to see a butt in my life. That's kind of funny, Right? It makes the heart sick, but, and then it says, desire fulfilled. I mean, when the things that you hope for in your life come to pass, the word says, that is a tree of life. I mean, tree of life, what an awesome description, right? I mean, I can't even hear tree of life without picturing Adam and Eve, you know, standing there, the the fullness of God's glory in the garden and things before sin and the fall. So that tells me that hope is really powerful. When hope is present in my life, when hope is being satisfied in my life, it is the abundant life that Jesus came to bring. But when hope can't be found in my life, when hope is resisted or withheld in my life, it's absolute misery, total depression, heart sickness. So I want to talk about hope because I think hope is really, really important. If hope and its presence in my life is the difference between me being satisfied or me being depressed, I want to understand it. I want to come to a place where I realize what it is, where it comes from, how I can get it, how I can maintain it, so that I don't wake up one day all of a sudden and just feel completely and totally depressed. I want to offer a few passages of Scripture with this in mind. I want to offer these to you so that we can look at them together and come to a place where we can realize why hope is so important and why hope has such a profound effect on our well-being. So I want to give them to you, and we'll look at them in this order, and I don't know that the order is necessarily important, but if you have your Bibles there, turn to Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to look at verse 6. Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to look at verse 6. We're going to look at another passage as well, but right now we're going to look at verse 6. Now we talked about faith last week, and we actually used this verse last week. So as we begin reading it, you're going to notice that faith makes an appearance. But you're going to see that this appearance that faith makes is not a solo act, so to speak. There's another character involved, and we ought to pay attention. So Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it reads like this, Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Whoever comes to God must believe that He is and that He's a rewarder of those who seek Him. So this faith that's necessary in our life brings us to a place of living a life that's pleasing to God. We talked about faith last week, but I want us to look at a passage here that is attached to this one that's going to reveal what's necessary for that life of faith to exist in the first place. I want you to backtrack there about 5 verses to verse 1. Romans, excuse me, Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1. It speaks about faith, that faith that's necessary to please God. And we see what's necessary to have the faith that's necessary to please God. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, and the evidence of things not seen. Now, last week we talked about a couple of definitions that I think we ought to talk about again today in order to understand what we just read, or at least increase our understanding of it. We need to know what the word substance means, right? Now, how many of you here have kids, right? You've got kids, you've got children. Uh, I had children that were, you know, they were infants and then toddlers. It was the normal aging process for my kids, right? So when I think substance, normally I think of the unidentified things that came out of my children, right? Normally you found them in the liners of your car seats. It's like there's some kind of nasty substance there. But substance really isn't a gross word. It's, it's, it's a word that's just identifying any physical matter. In fact, when you turn to the definition, that's what you're going to get. If you look up the word substance in the dictionary, you're going to find this. Real physical matter which a person or thing consists of. It is tangible. It is present. So we see that that faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's these tangible things that exist. But those things only exist in the things that are hoped for. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. When we come to church and we're told to, to live a life of faith, Even the disciples, when they walked with Jesus and they struggled with unbelief and and difficulties, they would cry out to Him, Oh, Master, increase our faith. And we've made so many things based upon faith because faith is absolutely important. But when I read that, I realize something. It comes off the page. I'm never going to have a life filled with faith until I have a life filled with hope. Because faith is the substance of things hoped for. And when hope is missing in a congregation, and a congregation is told to have faith, have faith, have faith, it positions us to labor and strive to believe harder. Well, I'm just going to believe harder in God. I'm going to believe harder in Him. And we did the belief test last week. Some of you may remember that, right? It doesn't take long to do it, so we can do it again. You believe in elephants, right? You believe in elephants. Now, I want you to take a moment, and I want you to believe in elephants harder. It doesn't work like that. So I think most of our issues as is it concerns faith, living our lives filled with faith, living a life of faith as a believer, when we have issues that are concerning faith, I want us to stop and pause and ask ourselves this question. Now I know that faith is, is an issue right now, but is it because I'm lacking faith, or is, am I lacking faith because I'm lacking hope? And if it's the lacking of hope, then we need to minister to that first. Because if we don't have hope, we can't have the substance of that hope that makes up or builds up or is our faith. I'm going to give you a passage of Scripture here concerning hope. Romans chapter 8, verses 24 and 25. It reads like this, For in hope we've been saved. But hope that is seen is not hope. The one who hopes hasn't already seen what he hopes for. But if we hope for what we do not see with perseverance, we eagerly wait for it. Now, by itself, that might sound a little bit confusing. But if we stop and we just kind of break it down quickly, it can really clear up. If you're already experiencing it, if you're seeing it, you're not hoping for it. It's happening. That means that the things that we hope in are things that we can't see. It doesn't mean that they don't exist. In fact, they must exist in order for you to hope in them. But it means that you can't see it right now. That's why hope is so important and necessary during problems or situations or circumstances that are seemingly overwhelming Because what you can see is the problem. What you can see is the issue. What you can see is the challenge. The thing that you can't see is where your your hope must be placed and where your hope exists. That passage of Scripture reveals a couple of things to us and I want to emphasize the last words in it. That when we're hoping for the things that we can't see, listen to these last words. With perseverance, we wait eagerly for it. So as I'm trying to learn about hope, because I know I need hope in order to have substance that makes up my faith, I need hope. I can see here that I'm never going to be able to see it. And according to that, with perseverance, I'm always going to have to wait for it. And now I'm confronted with another issue, right? I mean, I'm looking around and I think, I think that we've focused on faith when we ought to focus on hope. A lot of believers struggle with faith, but it's not because they don't have a lot of faith, it's because they don't have a lot of hope. And then I find out what hope is, that, well, first of all, you can't see it, and then secondly, you're going to have to persevere and wait for it. And in my mind, I see the line for hope getting shorter and shorter people not being willing to pay that price. I don't know that I want to persevere. That sounds hard. is there an easier way? Isn't there some kind of shortcut? Isn't there just some kind of pill I could take or, or person that could pray for me or just something? Anything but persevere because that just sounds really painful or difficult or hard. And then waiting, I mean, who's got time for that? I, I don't want to wait. You want to know what's really amazing? The scripture is filled with the word wait. I mean, it really is. Wait, wait. And it's attached to promises that when we wait for God, when we wait on the Lord, wonderful things happen. speaks of our strength being renewed. Our youth being renewed. You know, the older I get, the more interested in that promise I get. (laughs) I mean, I'm starting to claim that one. Used to. I thought that was for the old folks. And now I'm like believing God for it in my life. Here's something about waiting though, right? And I think this is why hope is such a foundation for faith to exist. To exist, excuse me. You will hope for the things that you trust in. I mean, I have been ill before. My body has been sick, and I've gone to a doctor. And you know where they put me? In a waiting room. And I sat there and I waited. I'm a busy guy, and I know you're busy. We've got things to do. We've got places to go and people to see. and We've got a whole full agenda on the day. The only reason why I would sit there and wait is because I am trusting that this person's going to help me. And I want their help. If I didn't trust that they could help me, there's no way I would wait there. And I've been in some places where they took me from one waiting room where there were people, you know, you're... You're looking at people and you're like, well, you're waiting too, huh? Yeah. How long have you been here? Oh, well. And then, you know, somebody would call my name and then they would take me to the second waiting room. And now there's nobody in here. You know, you're in solitary now. You sit and you wait. And the only reason why we're willing to wait is because we absolutely trust that there's help on the way. Now, when we take that and we apply it, it can bring some conviction into my life. Why is it I have such a hard time waiting for God? Is it possible that I don't believe that He's actually going to come and bring assistance or help? I can wait on doctors. I can wait at restaurants. I can wait all over the place because I'm trusting that my need is going to be met in the end. And so I'm willing to wait. In fact, if I preach long enough, some of you, when you go to eat, you might have to wait. But we're willing to wait when we believe that our needs are going to be met in the end. And throughout the Scripture, we have this call, this urgent call to wait on the Lord. And we know that it's only in waiting that we find ourselves operating in hope. Hope comes through persevering and waiting. I want to read you a passage of scripture here. How to tell if you need hope. I mean, this is an important one. We know that hope is necessary for us to live lives of faith, and faith is necessary to live a life that pleases God. So I want to please God, so I want to live a faith filled life, but in order for me to have faith, I need to have the substance of hope. So I need to find out do I need hope? Am I a hope filled person? Or is there a deficit of hope in my life? Because it would be a shame if I were to walk around in my life believing that I had hope when I didn't. I want to give you a passage of Scripture. It's a little test. You can administer it to yourself. And no matter what the results are, none of the results should bring shame or condemnation. They can bring conviction for the purpose of direction or correction, just to redirect our steps a little bit, but how to examine ourselves to see if we have hope, the hope that's necessary to have faith, that's necessary to live a life pleasing to God. Psalm 42, verse 5, you'll find the same thing in Psalm 43, and you'll find the same thing again in Psalm 42 and verse 11. So it's kind of the concentrated pocket of the hope test here. Psalm 42, verse 5, it it reads like this. This is the test. Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I will again praise Him for the help of His presence. Now, we're going to read that again and we're going to kind of camp out there just for a minute because I know we're still turning and we're still soaking it in and maybe we're still underlining or things are coming off the page to you. But if we're writing this in like today's speak, so to speak, if we were saying it in the language that we just speak commonly here, it might say something like this Hey, why are you so depressed? Why are you in a funk? The words here that the psalmist uses are words like despair and disturbed. And it's interesting, you know, why have you become disturbed within me? This is not talking about just some physical gloominess. Well, it's rainy and, you know, I'm on a diet, so I'm in a bit of a mood, so look out everybody, haven't had sugar in two days. That's nothing a donut wouldn't cure, right? That's not what we're talking about. That's not what we're talking about at all. This is within you. It's on the inside. This isn't just a physical thing, even though it manifests through the physical. This is in your soul. It's in your person. Why have you fallen into despair? And why have you become disturbed? Hope in God. I will again praise Him for the help of His presence. So if I'm testing myself against this verse if I'm wanting to see, is there hope inside of me, I'm going to look for two things. I'm going to look for despair. Does my life have despair in it? Now, despair is going to manifest in in different ways for different personalities. But despair generally is going to manifest in negativity. Are we focused on problems or are we solutions oriented? Do we just talk about the deficit or do we see the possibility of of God's hand moving in power? I mean, is the negativity the thing that we are so intensely focused on that it is, is consuming us? It's all we can see. Now, you see this throughout the Scripture. There's all kinds of places where people are faced with the same challenge. And if if you're not familiar with the Bible story, don't worry about it. I mean, it's not going to affect your ability to grasp what we're talking about today. But there was a time when the people of God were moving into the land that God had promised them. And they sent ahead spies to look at it. They all saw the same thing. They all saw the exact same thing. But they came back with very different reports. Some were only focused on the problems. It's, man, It's you know what? That's a great place, but let me tell you something. We'll never survive there. There's all kinds of problems and obstacles and people that just don't want us there. We should just call it a day. We should just quit now. And then there's those that come back and say, man, it is awesome and God said it's ours. Let's go. Pack it up. Let's go. What are we waiting for? I think... One of those people groups was filled with despair. They just saw the problem. They saw the issue. They saw the challenge and they can't get past that. And the other, it's not that they're blind to the problem or they're blind to the issue or they're blind to the challenge. It's just that they see the hand of God as greater than, stronger than. They see the heart of God He said it's ours. He told us to do it. He wouldn't send us there to perish. He didn't connect you with your wife so that the two of you could just beat the heck out of each other for the rest of your days. He didn't give you your sons and daughters so that there could be enmity between you for the rest of your days. He didn't call you to the function of business or ministry that He called you to so that it could slowly consume you until you died a bitter death. But all of those things, marriage, family, ministry, labor, work, all of those things are filled with challenges. When we see those challenges, are we people of despair or are we people of hope? Despair is that first thing. And then the second thing that's listed here is that disturbance. That disturbance. Now, here's how I want to define disturbance. And I'm just defining it here quickly because I think it's good for us to to get the wheels turning. And even if your wheels turn a different direction, maybe we can just get them turning where we get somewhere. You might get somewhere different than I get, but I know God's taking us somewhere nonetheless. When I think of something being disturbed, I think of like the waters on a lake. Some outside influence disturbs them. It's not their nature to always be in turmoil, right? Like a person of despair. I've met people that were just people of despair. Everything they saw, it was negative. It was was destined to die. They were just negative people. And they need to be set free from that. They need to move from being a person of despair to a person of hope. But then you have this one, this, this person that is disturbed. Well, the waters on any lake, by their nature, they're calm. They're still. But it's only the outside influence that rises up and stirs them and moves them. Now, we can become believers and get set free from despair. where We're people of the Word and we're founded upon hope. But then situation and circumstance can come in and disturb us. And I love that both of those things are listed there. Because I know at one time in my life, despair was my portion. It's who I was. It's how I saw things. And it was that negativity that just made me mean as a snake. Being delivered from that and set free, becoming a believer and having the hope of Jesus Christ in my life, made me to be a person of hope. But situation and circumstance can still come in and attempt to disturb me. To stir it up. And as we test ourselves for hope, we can ask ourselves those questions. Am I in despair? Am I being disturbed? And if the answer is yes, then we can understand that we're in desperate need of hope. We need hope. If we don't get that hope, we can't function in faith. If we don't get that hope, depression is inevitable because hope deferred or hope withheld or hope absent makes the heart sick. I need hope in my marriage. I need hope with my children. I need hope in every aspect of my life. We've talked about hoping before, and we've mentioned these two things, but I want to go ahead and mention them again for the sake of today. We've talked about the difference between hoping and wishing. And we have a call as believers to be a people of hope, to be a people filled with hope, that hope is meant to be a a foundational part of our life and our lifestyle. And oftentimes when I encounter believers who are, are suffering from a lack of hope, I can see that they've substituted hoping with wishing. Now wishing is a common thing in the world. Now if we want to turn to the dictionary to get an idea of what the difference is, we'll come up with this. If you look up the word hope, you're going to find this. To desire with anticipation or expectation. To desire with anticipation or expectation. I mean, one definition even uses the word trust. A desire trusting in anticipation or expectation, right? Wish, by definition, just reads like this, to desire or want. To desire or want. Now, here's the difference, okay? And I'm, I'm very happily married. My wife Ashley's here on the front row, so I'm going to kind of pick on our marriage for a second, okay? So let's just say that Ashley really needs to see God move in my life, right? She needs to see me grow and mature and be the spiritual man that she knows that I'm capable of being as a husband and as a father, as a leader in our household. Now she is is at a point where she can either be wishing that that would happen, or she can be hoping that that will happen. Now the only thing that's going to keep her from wishing that will happen is having some sort of substance to expect or anticipate. That's where the Word of God comes in. She can come to the Word of God and see all of the promises That God is at work in my life, and she can begin to trust in those things. And it will take her from the position of wishing that I would grow up and quit being such a baby to hoping that God will raise me up, mature me from being such a baby. Now I know that was was a real stretch of an example, right? To think that I would be immature or a baby. I had to ask her where my underwear was this morning. (laughs) She's hoping for me. So then there's the things that we have to hope in, right? These are the things that are meant to, to provide us with that stability, that anticipation, that expectation, so that we stop wishing, So that we're not just, you know, wishing something would happen. Oh, I wish my life would come together. Oh, I wish this uh, affliction would stop. Oh, I wish that my, my kids would come around. Oh, I wish, I wish, I wish. I mean, you can fill in the blanks. But we can begin hoping. You know, it's really why God has given us His name. He's revealed His names to us. You can see in the banners that hang around here, different names of God. And as He's revealing to us who He is, He's giving us the opportunity to fulfill a Scripture. Let me give you a couple of them. Psalm 39, verse 7. And now, O Lord, for what do we wait? What am I waiting on? Another way to say that is, what am I hoping for? And the answer to that question is, my hope is you. 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 Matthew 12, 21 speaks of His name. His name referring to Jesus. or would have been pronounced Yeshua like Joshua, meaning the salvation of God. His name. His name. In His name the Gentiles will hope. Gentiles is a funky word for Texans. It's me and you. People who were outside of Israel, who, who weren't Jews. Our hope is in Him. Our hope is in His name. So when God reveals His name, let me just give you a few names here. Good luck writing these down. We're not going to spell check these, okay? One would be Yahweh. Now, uh, it's in your Bible sometimes as YHWH, right? Some people would, would say Jehovah. <clears throat> I personally stick with Yahweh, and that W would be like Viva. Self-existent. It just means God's not relying on anyone. What a wonderful thing to put your hope in someone that doesn't have to have someone else show up for success to happen. Right? He's not a middleman for success in your life. He's the ultimate source of all things in heaven. The power of the Holy Ghost, the the anointing and the authority of Jesus Christ. God is the, the, the fountainhead for everything that would flow from heaven into our lives. That gives me tremendous hope. Sidcanu, good luck spelling that. He's your righteousness. Makadesh, the one who sanctifies. Rophe, the one who heals. Shema, the one who's present. Nisi, your victory. Shalom, your peace. Jaira, your provider. Rohi, your shepherd. And Yeshua, the salvation of God. Now see, this kind of starts to make sense when we consider these things. That it would be such a big deal that that as the angels would pronounce the coming of our King, and we celebrate it every year, you know, around Christmas time. It's just a tradition that it falls there. But when we really stop and look at that and we read the things that are being spoken and the things that are going on, when we read the prophecy that that speaks of all of these things and we see the name of Jesus being proclaimed as the name above all names, it's more than just something we sing in our songs or something that we, we pray as we minister. This is a reality. God has given us the ultimate hope, Yeshua. His deliverance in any situation any circumstance. That's the name we can hope in. And what we do with that hope, the decisions that we make, the actions that we perform, that's the substance that makes up the faith that positions us to live a life pleasing to God. So I want to give you some, some really awesome news. Are you ready for some awesome news? How to get hope. How to get hope. And I've got news for you. God's already started up the the assembly line to just build your life with hope, build you a life of hope. That's the really good news, okay? Now, sometimes the bad news comes when we don't really like the process that he's using to bring hope into our lives. But I mentioned to you something. We want to find something in the Scripture. Do you remember this when we got started? How, How to live a life free from disappointment, right? We're going to find that one out here. So if you're like me, this would be, you know, when I'd kind of sit up straight in my chair, get my blood flowing, you know, make sure that I don't have a cramp in my hand because I want to write this down. I want a life that's got less disappointment. I want freedom from disappointment. Romans chapter 5, we're going to look at verses 1 through 5. And we wouldn't have to start at verse 1, it's, except it's just so awesome. Right? Are you ready for something awesome? If you're ready for something awesome, just say, I want something awesome. Yeah, I do too. So listen to this. Listen to how this opens up. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we now have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's pretty cool. The believers in God, we're not enemies. We have peace now because of the work that Jesus did on our behalf. We have peace with God through Jesus Christ, through whom we also have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And now here comes the part where I want us to pay close attention concerning hope. And we exult in hope, the hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we also exult in, now this is where you're going to see the process to obtaining hope in your life. Are you ready? Tribulation. Knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. And that perseverance brings about proven character. And that proven character brings about hope. And hope does not disappoint. Because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. To live a life void of disappointment is to live a life filled with hope. But it's not surprising to me when I look around and I look for proven character within the church. When you see an absence of proven character, you can be be assured that there's going to be a deficit of hope. When you see an absence of perseverance, people who aren't willing to hang in there and see that God carries them through and, and they outlast their problems... You can be guaranteed there's going to be a deficit of hope. When you see people who avoid tribulation, who run from it, the moment things get hard, I'm gathering my stuff, Pastor, and you can find me down the street at the second whatever church. And then when it gets hard there, you'll find me down the street from there at the third whatever church. People run from tribulation. They refuse to persevere. And when they refuse to persevere... They close off the door to walking in proven character. And when they close off the door to operating in proven character, they cut off hope. And once hope is cut off, here comes heart sickness, depression. It's impossible to live a life that's faith-filled and therefore pleasing to God. That's why the scripture would tell us to get excited when we face tribulation. When things get tough, we can actually get excited. Write this down in your notes. You're not going to see this on a bumper sticker anytime soon, right? It's one of those scriptures that we kind of tuck in the back. James chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. Consider it all joy. Can you just say joy? Joy. Consider it all joy. Just make a note. That these things are all joy. Consider it all joy. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect, complete, and lacking nothing. So what would that perfect result be? Well, according to what we read in Romans, the perfect result of those trials or tribulations is hope. That that trial and that tribulation brings me to a place where I'm able to persevere. And when I'm able to persevere, I become a man or a woman of proven character. And when I become a person of proven character, I become a person of hope. That hope that doesn't disappoint. That hope that doesn't disappoint. Doesn't that make sense? That a hope that wouldn't disappoint would be the end result that would be described as making you perfect, complete, and lacking nothing. Because every disappointment that I've ever encountered has been by something that I thought was imperfect, that I thought was incomplete, or that I thought was lacking something. Hope. Hope. Oh God, make us a people of hope. That we can have the substance of hope. live out lives of faith I want to give you uh, we're going to look at a, a few more passages of scripture and we're going to be done and I think that this is extremely important to take down we're going to move through it a little bit quickly but I want to ask you sincerely I know I encourage you to write things down and I say that often but the verses that we're about to look at I want to ask you can we please all look at these in our own time this week we're going to look at them now But I'd like to look at them together throughout the week. Romans 15, 13. We've heard this before in other messages. It's been delivered before, but I think it's important that we look at it here now for today. Because we see that hope is this result of two things being imparted to our lives. Hope is absolutely necessary, and I want us to be so filled with hope. If the Scripture gives us a direction or a recipe for hope, I want us to all know it and celebrate it. Romans 15, 13, it reads like this. Now may the God of hope, the God of who? The God of hope. Remember, hope is a possessive word, right? Like this is my Bible here. You could say that's Preston's Bible, or you could say that is the Bible of Preston. When God is described as the God of hope, it means He possesses it all. There's no hope outside of Him. Now may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now this verse, I love this verse, but it causes a collision in my brain that almost just makes me worthless for two or three seconds. Now may the God of hope fill me with joy and peace so that I may abound in hope. I mean, it's kind of like pouring Fruit Loops into your cereal bowl and looking down and there's honeycomb, right? You would think that the God of hope would fill you with hope so that you may abound in hope. But that's not what it says. It says, may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace in believing so that So that meaning this is the result. You get filled with joy and you get filled with peace and believing and so that comes to pass. So that you will abound. That means overflow. It doesn't mean have a little. It means have so much it's spilling out on your neighbors. You'll abound in hope. Hope. So it starts with knowing that I need faith. Well, I want to please God so I need faith. But I can't have faith until I have the substance of hope. And now I'm seeing, well, I can't have hope unless I am letting God fill me with joy and peace. Because it's when God fills me with joy and peace that I can abound in hope. We're getting closer to the starting point. And I think too often in churches, we just talk about the finish line. Be filled with faith. Be filled with faith. So here we are seeing we need to be filled with faith, but it's going to require us being a people of hope. We need to be a people of hope, but it's going to require us being filled with God's joy and His peace. And that's good news. Here's a couple of passages of Scripture concerning joy and peace. John 15, verse 11. You can write it down for your notes. And remember, we want to look at these throughout the week. Jesus is speaking and He talks about the things that He's saying. He's talking about the coming of the Holy Ghost. He's talking about the the wonderful uh, messages that he's preached and everything is coming down to this. And he says, these things I've said to you. These things I've said to you. Now, I want to take a little bit of liberty there. And if if that doesn't work for you, you can just call me up. 325-260-8438. And I'd love to talk to you about it. Because the liberty that's being taken there is not to change what Jesus is saying. It's to break it down and explain it. These things I've spoken to you. He's basically saying, guys, everything I've preached, everything that I've told you, it all comes down to this. Listen, these things I spoke to you so that you may have my joy in you and that your joy would be made full. Joy, baby. Isn't that awesome? The opposite of depression and heart sickness. These things I've spoken to you. And by the way, the coming of Jesus. Little baby Jesus in a manger. The nativity that we pull out once a year. I think that's unfortunate, by the way. And the songs that we sing are songs about joy. And the angels that would announce the coming of our King. Our King. Came and said, we have good news for you of a great Joy, that's for all people. This whole thing's been about joy. Everything that I've spoken to you, I've spoken it to you so that you may have my joy in you and your joy may be made full. So we have that first ingredient through Jesus. If we'll listen to His words, if I find that my life is deficient in faith because I'm deficient in hope, Because I'm deficient in joy, I need to find out what Jesus is saying. I need to get back to the Word. I need to read His promises because all of the words that He's speaking, He's speaking to me so that I might have His joy in me and my joy made full. And then peace, right? Remember the the two steps to hope were that we would let God fill us up with joy and peace in believing, This also is no problem if we can just take a look at the scripture. Jesus promises to leave us peace. You can write it down for your notes. In fact, let's turn there together. I think that would be even better. John chapter 14. John chapter 14, verse 27. If you start in verse 26, you'll see Jesus is talking about the Holy Ghost. And as He begins speaking of the Holy Ghost, He says, My Father is going to send you a helper. He's going to send Him in My name and He's going to teach you and bring to your remembrance all the things that I said to you. Why would He emphasize that? He would emphasize that because all the things that He said to us are so that we can have His joy and our joy be made full. And then he goes on to say this, that second ingredient that's so necessary for hope. He talks about the Holy Spirit bringing to our memory the things that he says. And then he goes on to say this, in peace, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives. By the way, the peace the world gives is fake. It's compromise is what it is. But the peace that Jesus gives requires absolute surrender. I've never made a peace treaty with Jesus Christ. I've only surrendered to Him. And that's all that will do. Nothing else will do. Peace I give to you, not as the world gives. Let not your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. Let not your heart be troubled. Let not your heart be filled with despair. Let not your heart be disturbed. Let not your heart be depressed. I want to give you another passage of Scripture. It's another one that we tend to bring out once a year as we celebrate the birth of Jesus. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Look at the surrounding verses when you read this. It speaks about the child that would be born to us. Again, our King. It talks about who He is. His name will be Wonderful Counselor. Everlasting Father. And then this title is bestowed upon Jesus the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace. What an amazing title. Now, there was a time in my life where I struggled to be at peace. I struggled to make things peaceful so that Jesus could be Lord over it. Like, hey honey, we got to get our act together. We can't fight like that and then expect God to bless things, right? I mean, some of you maybe have had that conversation with your spouse. I used to see things that way. Well, we got to get this peaceful so that Jesus can be Lord over it. I now see it totally different. I now say we've got to get Jesus Lord over this thing so it can be peaceful. We need to surrender our marriage to Jesus so that we can have peace here. This church needs to be yielded to Jesus Christ, His headship and His headship alone, so that we can stop seeing division and start knowing peace. He's the Prince of Peace. Let me just break it down like this. Whatever Jesus becomes Prince over becomes peaceful. He's capable of yielding and wielding, excuse me, perfect authority in perfect righteousness and perfect justice to bring about uncorrupted, uncompromised peace. And that title belongs to him and him alone. I want to give you one last passage of scripture before we're done here. I mentioned before we're going to find out how much of God's loving kindness you can have. How much you can have. You can write this down for your notes, Psalm 33. Excuse me, Psalm 33. We're going to look at verses 18 through 22. Psalm 33, 18 through 22. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope for his loving kindness. Did you hear that? Hope for his loving kindness. I'm going to say it again, and I want you to say it. Hope for his loving kindness. Yes, God's eye is on those who hope for His loving kindness to deliver their soul from death, to keep them alive in famine. Boy, that sounds pretty handy, doesn't it? Our soul waits for the Lord. He's our help and our shield. Our heart rejoices in Him because we trust in His holy name. Now listen to this last passage. Let your loving kindness, O Lord, be upon us according to, <clears throat> according to as we have Hoped in you. Did you hear that last line? Let your loving kindness, O Lord, be upon us according to as we have hoped in you. Now, when I read that, it stands out to me. I mean, the moment I read it, all I can hear is passages of Scripture. Like the measure you measure with will be measured back into you. Let your loving kindness be upon my life according to as I have hoped in you. The amount of God's loving kindness in my life, according to this, is conditional upon the amount of hope that I put in Him. Any limitation upon His loving kindness on my life or through my life is 100% up to me. I can put my hope in Him completely. And have His loving kindness poured out without any hindrance or any measure upon my life and through my life. Or that hope can be conditional or compromised, partial. And limit the benefits of His loving kindness operating upon my life and through my life. Now that may not sit well with you and I understand if it doesn't. I'm simply reading the words And if the sentence reads like this, Your loving kindness, O Lord, be upon us according as we have hoped in you. I want to believe God that we can be a people that can really, really, completely hope in Him. Any hindrance to His loving kindness poured out on my life has nothing to do with God's affection for me. But it would have to do With the willingness to yield and trust and believe in His undying love. His perfect authority. And His perfect justice. I want to ask you to stand with me. Thank you for listening to this message from Champions Church. We invite you to join us this Sunday for our celebration worship service. For more information, please visit us at championschurch.com.